Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Today seems like a significant day as far as NAFTA is concerned, but exactly how is not clear. Maybe this is a step in the right direction toward getting a new NAFTA deal and resolving all of these uh, issues, or perhaps the U.S. and Mexico have gone off on their own uh, and that this is bad, bad news for Canada. So those are pretty two stark, very different kinds of of scenarios. There's a lot of confusion, though, today as uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump announcing uh, an understanding of sorts with Mexico on some of these trade issues. And and here's part of what the president said today. We have an agreement where uh, both with Canada and with Mexico, uh, I I will terminate the existing deal. Uh, when that happens, uh, I can't quite tell you. It depends on what the timetable is with Congress, but I'll be terminating uh, the existing deal and going into this deal. Uh, we'll start negotiating with Canada relatively soon. They want to start, they want to negotiate very badly. Uh, but one way or the other, we have a deal with Canada. It'll either be a tariff on cars or it'll be a negotiated deal. And frankly, a tariff on cars is a much easier way to go. But uh, perhaps the other would be much better for Canada. And we're looking to help, you know, we're looking to help our neighbors, too. If we can help our neighbors, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So uh, we're going to start that negotiation uh, eminently. I'll be speaking with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau in a little while. Well, and apparently we've uh, since learned that Canada's foreign affairs minister is headed to Washington, D.C., and it sounds as though Canada will rejoin these negotiations. So where do things stand? Joining us uh, for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome the program, uh, Simon Lester, Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Herbert A. Stifel Center for Trade Policy Studies, uh, freetrade.org, much more cato.org. Simon, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right. So from, from what you've been able to gather, what, what are we calling this today between the U.S. and Mexico? Well, I think USTR just called it in their official press release a preliminary agreement in principle. So that sounds pretty tentative. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there were one or, or, you know, kind of some related issues that were between the U.S. and Mexico bilaterally. And so the U.S. and Mexico kind of negotiated those without Canada. Um, they were able to, you know, resolve them. So that's, that's positive in the sense of, you know, we're making progress on NAFTA. Uh, but we still have this whole collection of, of broader issues that the three countries have to, to sit down and work out. So today I think was a necessary step in towards, getting, towards getting a new NAFTA, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. But I guess what this isn't is a, a bilateral, uh, bilateral deal with Mexico. I don't think it's fair to characterize it as that. I know, you know, sometimes the Trump administration wants to portray that as, you know, they would be interested in the U.S.-Mexico bilateral trade agreement. It's not clear that they are authorized under the existing U.S. Trade Promotion Authority statute to to negotiate a bilateral deal. I think politically Congress, most members of Congress would object to that. So I don't think it's realistic to think, oh, there's going to be a U.S.-Mexico bilateral trade agreement and Canada will be left out. 
No, uh, you know, you've got these three countries, um, and in and, and each, you know, well, the U.S. and Canada and U.S. and Mexico have bilateral issues between them. So in the broader context of NAFTA, sometimes they, they talk just, you know, two of those three countries. Um, and I think that's all that's going on here. Now, there is always the, the, the bluster and the spin, maybe from President Trump or people in the Trump administration trying to present it a little differently. But no, I, yeah, this is not sort of an alternative to NAFTA. It was let's pick out some of the U.S.-Mexico bilateral issues that had to be resolved, sit down, get those done, and then go back to the, the, the broader um, you know, trilateral issues. What are some of those issues then that needed to be ironed out? Well, you've got things like whether there should be a sunset clause in there, that is whether the agreement should expire automatically after a certain period of time unless the countries affirmatively agree to renew it. Uh, there's the Canadian, famous Canadian dairy restrictions yeah. where the, the U.S. has been pushing Canada to open a little bit more. Uh, there's issues of government procurement and how open each country's uh, procurement process should be to, to, you know, to, to companies from their, from their trading partners. Uh, those those are three big ones. Some of them there are additional ones, and some of them get that get pretty technical. I mean, and then there's there's sort of basic updating NAFTA. You know, NAFTA is 25 years old. Do we need new intellectual property provisions? Do we need e-commerce provisions? There are, there are a range of issues. I would say there are 10 or 15 kind of major issues that you know still need to be worked out if we're going to get a, a signed NAFTA that all three countries can you know can agree to. Right. There, there still seems to be a consensus, I think, in, in Washington, I, I, there, there certainly is in Canada, that, that, that NAFTA is needed, that if it's a new and improved deal, well, fine, but that we, we still need this, this free trade zone here, don't we? I think that's the consensus. Um, you know, the issue is, well, the Trump administration uh, may not be part of that consensus, and they are, you know, the, the executive branch of the U.S. government, mm-hmm. um, so the, their views are important. You know, they may disagree. They may be willing to go along with the consensus if they get other things they want. Um, but you can imagine that, you know, if we didn't have, you know, if, if, if there were no NAFTA right now, the Trump administration wouldn't be pushing for it. They're kind of stuck with it because it exists and it's part of U.S. law. Um, so you, you're just dealing with this, you know, significant force uh, that just isn't part of the consensus and really wouldn't mind if NAFTA just disappeared. Uh, but they also recognize that there are, you know, the, the, the most people in, in both countries do want it. And so there's only so much they can do, but clearly they've been trying to, you know, sort of chip away at it a bit. And the, the things that the U.S. and Mexico are working on today, I think, take some of the free trade out of NAFTA. Um, so, yeah, so the, but there is a consensus to keep it, and I think it probably will stay in some form. Uh, but it, it, there, there could be aspects of it that are, that are a little weaker than um, what we have now. Right. Now, I mean, this is kind of a political and a legal question, but, but how much can the president do on his own? How much of this has to go through Congress? It's a great question, and uh, legal analysts have been debating it. Um, I, I think we just don't have a lot of certainty in the law because we haven't had the courts weigh in on this. So, for example... Can the president uh, withdraw from NAFTA without uh, you know, Congress having a say? Well, my instinct is no, because this this law was, uh, you know, NAFTA was adopted in, into U.S. law uh, through a statute and be passed by Congress. And so, in order to undo this statute, you would have to have Congress weigh in. So, I think the answer there is no. But what if President Trump tried? What if he just sent a, a withdrawal notice to Canada and Mexico? What would Congress? do uh could somebody challenge this in the courts what would the court say that's all you know not very clear um so that's that's the broader issue of withdrawing from nafta there's sort of narrower points of well what if president trump just 
used the uh, provisions in NAFTA that let him proclaim lower tariffs to implement NAFTA? And what if he just proclaimed that the tariffs would now be higher? What would happen? Who could challenge that? You know, nobody ever anticipated these questions because the, the president of the United States has traditionally, traditionally been more free trade oriented than, than Congress. Now we have a president who may use the discretion given to him in trade agreements to, to take things in the other direction. And we just there's just not a lot of experience with it. Um, we don't know how it would play out. Um, so that's 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 why we're that's why there's so much uncertainty, because we have a different kind of president than we've ever had. And we just we just don't have the you know the the experience with somebody acting this way to know how it would play out in terms of politics and law in practice. Right. So the the politics and the law. There's the legal withdrawal clause. Uh, but when Trump yeah. today talks about terminating NAFTA, maybe that's political. It means that he's going to change it. He's going to rename it, even as he implied. Right. So talking about termination doesn't necessarily mean termination. That's right. You know, again, as always with President Trump, he says things and then, you know, all of us commentators try to parse what he meant by that. What do you mean by termination? Could mean different things. Um, And, you know, I think there has been clarification from the administration um, that that he's not going to withdraw from this, at least at this point, not going to withdraw from this NAFTA and present the new NAFTA as the only choice. He's simply going to submit a notice of intent uh, to, to Congress by the end of this week saying, here's the new NAFTA. So it's, you know, maybe not termination in the, 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 the broadest sense, but it's sort of, you know, yes, it, it, implicitly by, by adopting a new NAFTA, you have terminated the old one. But it's not like he's just going to terminate the old one and see what happens and may, we may not get a new one, at least as of this point. Um, but yes, when he uses the word termination, I think it's sort of a political way of speaking um, to, you know, make the point to his most ardent protectionist supporters that, we don't like NAFTA, so we're going to terminate it. Um, whereas, you know, technically speaking, yes, but, you know, it, it may not be the termination that, um, you know, you could take. It's not the sort of broadest, most confrontational form of termination. Yeah. Now, obviously, the auto industry, I mean, that's been a big part of this. And, and the president today talked again about the possibility of, of auto tariffs if we can't get a deal done. Under, under the details end of this agreement with Mexico, uh, the number would go from 62.5% to 75% of a vehicle that must be made in the U.S. or Mexico. Uh, to 45% of it must be made by workers earning at least $16 an hour. So an interesting kind of minimum wage provision in there. I mean, is is this a step in the right direction? Are we are we getting further away from from freer trade? What do we make of this? Uh, in my view, yes, we're getting away further away from free trade. You're making it harder to qualify for the zero tariffs. You know, it, it'll be it'll be harder to meet, be more costly for companies to you know to make sure. Uh, they source their materials um, from the U.S., Mexico, or Canada, whereas previously it would have been easier for them to do so. And they have to, they have to make sure you know, the, the wage requirements basically just make it more difficult to, to use uh, Mexican workers, uh, you know, use Mexican factories for these things. So you made it more difficult to qualify for zero tariffs. Uh, maybe fewer cars will, will qualify for zero tariffs. Those costs, uh, those extra costs uh, may be passed on to consumers. Uh, they may make it harder for um, people to produce in North America. It might be cheaper just to go produce in, in Japan or Korea. Um, so, so to me, it is a, it's a small step um, away from free trade and sort of limiting you know, the, the beneficial effects of NAFTA. Um, you know, but it may be that in the political world we're in right now that this is a, you know, a compromise that we need in order to keep the, the broader benefits of NAFTA. Uh, it's disappointing, and I wish we had um, uh, an administration that was pushing us towards more free trade, 
But that's where we are right now. You know, we had some elections, and, and Donald Trump is president, and this is what he wants to do. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how how it plays politically. We'll see what happens in the midterms. Uh, we'll see if the rest of the deal is even acceptable uh, to, to Congress. Well, first to Canada, Mexico, then to Congress. Um, and you know, I, I hope this is just a little blip, and we can get back to pushing for more free trade. But politically, that may be where we are right now: is that we we free traders have to make a few concessions and. Um, you know, take take a little a small step back on this part of NAFTA. The other parts of NAFTA might be better. We'll have to see what they how they turn out. Well, and as you say, I mean, you know, the supply management, Canada's weird system of tariffs and, and quotas for the dairy industry. I mean, hopefully that is on the table. I think Canadian consumers suffer as, as a result of that. I mean, the U.S. has some odd pockets of protectionism, like with sugar, for example. If we can get these things on the table, then that, that probably is a good thing, isn't it? That's right. And so if the trade-off is we're a little less free in terms of auto trade, but we're more free in terms of dairy and e-commerce, uh, then maybe it is a win overall. Um, you know, we just, we, we've heard so much recently about these auto rules of origin and haven't really had anything concrete on, on the other issues that it feels like, oh, this is all just going the wrong direction. But maybe the overall balance will be something that makes NAFTA, you know, uh, pretty good. It, it at least keeps it the same and maybe even makes it better. And that's, you know, over the next week or two, hopefully we'll, we'll find out whether U.S., Canada, and Mexico can actually agree on these things, and then we can all, um, you know, see what they've agreed and, and evaluate them. So that's, but it's still to be determined. Indeed. All right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hope for the best here. Simon, thanks so much for the insight. Appreciate this. Yeah, no problem. All right. Take care. Uh, Simon Lester, Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Herford, uh, Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies, freetrade.org, uh, and of course, cato.org. Uh, so free traders, as he says, and they do exist still on both sides of the border, uh, hoping that a new NAFTA means freer trade. And, and this, this isn't about coming up with agreement that, that imposes more barriers. So as he says, some frustration, what we're seeing on the auto side, but maybe if we can make some advancements in other areas, it'll all have been worth it. So where, where does that leave us? And what should we be prepared to compromise on? Look, obviously, supply management is an irritant. And there's, there's no getting around that fact. As uncomfortable it is as it is for the politicians who don't want to touch supply management, it is a trade irritant. Now, at least in terms of NAFTA, it doesn't necessarily have to mean scrapping it altogether. It would be very easy to simply lift the quotas and say, well, let in uh, this amount, X amount of, of American dairy and other products before that tariff kicks in. But if we want to do with, away with it altogether, well, so much the better. There are a couple of other issues, one of them being the sunset clause. Does this deal, a new NAFTA deal, automatically expire at some point? And that's been something the Americans have been pushing for. Canada and Mexico have really resisted that, it's, as you can imagine. Why would you want a trade agreement to have an expiry date? Well, what kind of impact does that have on investment if there's not that certainty? So under this proposed arrangement with Mexico, it would be a 16-year period and there would be mandatory reviews every six years at each review then the countries would have an opportunity to extend the deal another 16 years as it is or renegotiate it now there's another potentially tricky issue and it gets awfully technical but it's what's known as chapter 19 of nafta which is the review and dispute settlement in anti-dumping and countervailing duty matters you know, trade agreements need to have some kind of dispute mechanism. If the two parties disagree on something, if a Canadian company says, 
uh, you know, the U.S. isn't playing by the rules, they're not living up to their obligations or vice versa, or there's some kind of difference of opinion, we need a settlement mechanism. And Chapter 19 of NAFTA deals with uh, dumping, essentially, or the accusation that uh, this country, they're flooding our market with cheap whatever, and it goes against uh, the trade agreement. we got to figure something out here. Uh, so the U.S. wants some of those provisions to be watered down. Essentially, Canada, at least so far, and Mexico, too, have, have really resisted that. So th- those seem to be the three big irritants. Well, four, I guess, if you include auto. So auto, supply management, Chapter 19, and the Sunset Clause. How does Canada feel about some of what's been agreed to today? Are we prepared to sign on to that? And are we prepared to compromise on supply management? 974-8255 is our number 974-TALK. So the timing here is very interesting, obviously, as the Conservative Party of Canada deals with some very dramatic internal politics, much of it surrounding the issue of supply management. Again, an issue that, you know, a few years ago was, was something that policy wonks talked about. Now, all of a sudden, with, with NAFTA maybe being in jeopardy, a lot of Canadians are waking up to this. And then maybe for a lot of Canadians, they didn't mind this or they'd be okay with this. Or they don't necessarily have a problem with this. I, I think they should. But this doesn't seem like a hill to die on. This doesn't seem like something that is so important to us uh, that we could forsake NAFTA just to hang on to it. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.